You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 105, with Cole Hatter. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, men of abundance? I am excited to be back. I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time listening to Men of Abundance, thank you very much for giving us a chance. I think you're going to have your mind blown today because today's conversation goes deep into your relationship with money, making money matter, and our feature guest today talks about two very tragic events that occurred in his life that resulted in the death of two very close friends and very close death for himself. And then we're going to talk about how he ended up in Mexico and what he was doing in Mexico. So hang on to your seats because you're in for one hell of a ride in this conversation. And I know you're going to want to share this conversation with others. I greatly appreciate it because at this point, 105 episodes posted over 130 conversations. Men of Abundance thus far is 100% word of mouth. And we are in 58 countries, the last I checked, being downloaded in 58 different countries, some of which honestly didn't even know existed. So the fact is, other men are looking for these conversations. And oh, by the way, about 30-35% of our listeners are women. So make sure you share with women as well. There are so many ways that you can share Men of Abundance. You can share menofabundance.com and your emails, Facebook, you name it. You can click on your podcast player. There's usually three little dots or, or three lines that allows a drop-down menu to come down so that you can share the episode or share the podcast. Either way you choose to do it, I greatly, greatly appreciate it, and I greatly appreciate your reviews. Whether they're five-star or not, I greatly appreciate your feedback because I'm always trying to make Men of Abundance better for you because this really is as much for me as it is for you. I say it's for me because I'm learning so much from all of these conversations and this whole process, and I know that I'm lifting up men and women because I'm here in the comments. I'm getting the Facebook messages, and I'm getting those reviews in iTunes. For instance, listen to these two amazing reviews that really touch my heart. I truly appreciate this. The first one is from Teresa McCloy. She says, awesome show even for women. This is a great show with great topics about living an abundant life. Don't overlook this one, girls. Great learning, great flow, lots of deep insight. Thank you very much for that, Teresa. I really appreciate it. And Julian Hayes the second says, A breath of fresh air. Recently stumbled upon the MOA podcast, and I'm glad I did. It's great to have a show that empowers men to excel at all facets of life, and this is further cemented by the diverse cast of guests. Looking forward to seeing this show grow in the future. Julian, again, thanks so much. I truly appreciate you. Both five-star reviews, and that helps Men of Abundance get found in the search engines and all over the interweb. I absolutely love reading these reviews, and I love sharing them with all of you because you are a part of Men of Abundance. I will certainly be reading more reviews on future episodes, so make sure that you go and leave your rating and review on iTunes at Men of Abundance. I greatly appreciate it. 
Now in our conversation today, we are going to be talking a little bit about money, as you can tell from the title of this episode, Making Money Matter. And I know talking about money makes some of you uncomfortable. You got to get over that. I'm going to help you get over that. That's part of what I'm doing with Men of Abundance is to show you and prove to you that this world is so full of abundance, you don't need to stay in the scarcity mindset. One of the things that holds most people in the scarcity mindset is their relationship with money. And in most cases, it's a poor relationship. You've heard terms throughout your entire life like money doesn't grow on trees. I can't afford that. Money is the root of all evil. People with money are greedy, blah, blah, blah. It's a bunch of crap. It's a lie that you've been fed by people who don't have any money or don't understand the benefits of money, money as a tool. It's all about your relationship with money, and we are going to help you change that relationship so that you can have more money, and more importantly, what you can do with that money. That's the important part, and that's what the conversation that me and Cole have today in reference to building a business on purpose, a for-purpose business, and what you do with your income. You've heard all the conversations. I've had conversations with people like, Timothy Sykes, who wrote a million-dollar check to Pencils of Promise. Um, I have in a couple days, um, next week I'm going to be having a conversation with John Lee Dumas, who's written several $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 checks to various charities thanks to his Kickstarter campaigns and for selling his products. I've had many of these conversations about people who have money and are doing amazing things with that money. I want you to do that too. I want you to be in that situation to be able to make those decisions. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole bio of our feature guest today because we really talk about that in this conversation. But growing up, Cole always knew that he wanted to do something important with his life. Like so many of us, he did not want to sneak through life unnoticed and arrive at his grave safely. He wanted to shake things up, truly make a difference in this world, and have a blast doing it. And you can easily see from our conversation that he is definitely having a blast. And if that's not enough, you're definitely going to want to go check out his website, ColeHatter.com. And as you'll hear in our conversation, Cole has taken it to the next level big time with a conference of all conferences called Thrive Making Money Matter and I'm not sure that this can actually qualify as a conference this is more of a meeting of the minds last Thrive he had guest speakers such as Robert Herchevec Gary Vaynerchuk Lewis Howes Jack Canfield and the list goes on and on Even Grant Cardone was there last year. This year, he has got one of my favorite people to listen to. He's going to be a guest speaker, Les Brown. He's also got Apollo Ono. Of course, Cole Hatter himself and his beautiful wife, Sonia, are going to be speaking. Billy Jean Shaw III will be speaking, and you heard him recently here on Men of Abundance in episode 75. Kevin Harrington is a guest. Tucker Max. John Lee Dumas, who is going to be a featured guest here on Men of Abundance in just a couple weeks, and so many more guests speaking at the next Thrive. Now, you can attend Thrive and find out more about Thrive by going to attendthrive.com. You don't have to worry about writing that down. I'm going to have it in the show notes. But the dates of the next Thrive, Making Money Matter, is scheduled for September 29th to October 1st in Las Vegas. Definitely go to attendthrive.com to reserve your spot. Cole, welcome to Men of Abundance, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm excellent. Where are you at in the world? 
I'm in Orange County, California. Orange County. Isn't that down there where those bikers are at? Uh, oh, OC Choppers. Uh, no, that's actually Orange County, Florida. Oh, it's okay. Funny. I'm way off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, just the next neighborhood over on the other side of the country. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's funny. That There's an Orange County in Florida, too. And so sometimes when I say I live in Orange County, don't clarify that it's California. People assume it's Florida. But, nope, I'm in the OC, SoCal. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've been around California all over the place. Uh, I like California, especially San Diego area. Yeah, San Diego is about an hour south. I'll actually mm -hmm. be there this evening for a dinner meeting, and uh, I've lived there in the college days. So, yeah, San Diego is a great place. Very nice, very nice. So before we get too much into the show, I like to start the show out the same way I start every single morning, which is with an attitude of gratitude. It just makes a huge difference in my day. When I don't do that, it's definitely not the way I want it to go. So what do you have to be grateful for today, Cole? Man, I was just thinking about that. I'm grateful for my team. We were, before you press record, talking about my wife and how she supported me. And just uh, as soon as we wrap this up, we have a company meeting. And I'm excited, actually, that when I looked at my schedule of things to do today and I saw that at 1 p.m., I was fired up because I love who I'm working with. Um, I'm grateful that I'm not a solopreneur and that I have a team that doesn't just do great work, but completely buy into our vision as a company, the culture that they've created. So, I think I'm just really grateful for my team that supports me right now that I get to do what I love to do and what I'm good at and all the rest is handled by people who love to do those parts and are good at it as well. Man, that is definitely the way to live and you know, it's so true whether you're an employee or you're a business owner and it, it just makes all the difference in the world when you're working with people who are excellent at what they do and truly love what they do. You know, not everybody loves every aspect of what they do, but at least they come to work and they really enjoy being around the same people. I dig that. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it makes a huge difference. So before we got started here, you know, we talked a little bit about what you do, and I led into it a little bit, but really I want Harriman of Abundance, we really like to get to know the person behind the abundance. So let's get a little bit personal. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, something that we may not already know in a bio that's written out there on the interweb somewhere. Something about myself that's personal. Well, uh, I well, I guess I mean there's so much about me out there, but uh, didn't go to didn't graduate college. Uh, was a firefighter and pursued firefighting. I act funny. I didn't graduate college, but I actually went to college in high school. So I took high school classes during the day, and I took college classes at evening and night. Um, and once I had everything I needed to then go into my fire academy, I did, I did that. So I think I have like 42 credits, and I think you need 60 to have a degree. So I'm a little bit past halfway, but never finished that. Um, that's something that's, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows that part of my story, that I actually went to college while doing high school. Um, and uh, the firefighting career lasted a few years, and then an injury uh, that ended my firefighting career was what really began my true entrepreneurial career. And that was kind of a pivot point in my life, my career. And uh, something else people might not know about me is uh, I have literally ran from the police in Mexico and lived to tell about it. So that's that's not on my bio, but that's a fun story. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's a good way to end it. But it's true true story: a high speed car police chase in Mexico, and I made it. Oh my goodness! I I I, I believe we might get in a little bit deeper into that here in just a minute. Cool. Uh, we'll see how the conversation goes. But that, you know, truly, you said it, you know, you lived to talk about it because that's a rare thing. They they shoot and ask questions later. 
Oh, totally. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to tell as much of that story as I want. But that's uh, that's usually a, a private conversation, like you know, with buddies in the backyard for a good laugh. That's not normally podcast talk. But yeah, we can yeah. go as deep into that as you want. I hear you. That's cool. I, I would I would definitely look look into getting into that. But and that may or may not be your kick in the gut moment. But you know, here I'm in of abundance. We like to get into that kick in the gut moment. And this is something that you know may not. It sounds like that was pretty drastic and and dramatic at the time. Funny to talk about it later, but I'm sure it was not at the time. I'm just guessing anyway. But the oh, yeah. kick in the no. gut, yeah, the the kick in the gut moment is really that moment in your life, and it's not always entrepreneurial. It's usually personal that takes you into you know just kind of shifts your whole life around and makes you you know t- take a different perspective on life. But it's that moment that literally took you to your knees, and I'd like for you to share that story with us. Make us feel that. Yeah, so I touched on it briefly. The, the kick in the gut moment would definitely be the accident that uh, ended my firefighting career. I started firefighting at 19, graduated high school at 18, and as I said, did everything in high school I needed. And so started with the department at 19, 21 years old, got in a car accident. It was a, a rollover car accident. I was ejected and had to be rushed to the hospital in a helicopter because I was really hurt. And uh, had a, was in a wheelchair for, for a bit and then had to learn how to walk again and I mean, I had some pretty significant injuries and so didn't know how well my long-term recovery would be. And it was while I was down and out that started uh, me saying, okay, if, if I can't walk in, and by the way, spoiler alert, I'm totally healthy. I, I, I have completely recovered, but in that first year or so, it was uncertain how well I would recover. And that's when I started looking uh, inward and said, okay, if I can't walk again or if I have a limp or if I'm just not 100% physically fit, I can't be a firefighter. So what can I do to generate income for myself regardless of how physical like physically capable of performing a task I am you know if I if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life how can I still make money and so that's what really made me focus on being an entrepreneur um, the bigger kick in the gut wasn't just losing firefighting it was that in that accident I survived and others didn't mm. and so uh, there was a tremendous amount of grief and guilt grief of losing you know people and guilt of surviving and so that was my big kick in the gut where at 21 years old not only was my career over and I had to move back in with my mom and dad because I was so injured I couldn't even feed myself like I was you know I was wrapped from head to toe broken everywhere so so I had to move back with mom and dad lost my independence lost my career but because I lost you know my best friend uh, that was definitely the kick in the gut that uh, to this day is the biggest single you know event impact of my entire life Right, and you know, I know quite a few firefighters. I know two actually that just recently retired from firefighting, and that was actually one of my dreams growing up. Actually, me and my best friend, our our goal, what we wanted to do was go to be firefighters. We just ended up taking different paths. Huge respect for firefighters, but I also know that you have a lot of resiliency because of the things that you see, the things that you do on a daily basis. Do you think that that had anything to do with you kind of moving into your pivot point? And I want to get into that right now too, is basically you mentioned, you know, that was basically your pivot point, but did any of your training as a firefighter and being resilient in, you know, the day-to-day operations of your job, did that have anything to do with you recovering both mentally and physically? No, I think, um, I made a commitment, so there was actually two accidents 66 days apart that um, happened. The car accident was first, and then I fell into a mine shaft 67 days later where uh, I survived in another friend I lost in that accident. And so because I had really, I guess it was one event 
two two separate incidences, but because they happened within 66 days of each other, it was kind of one event of my life. Um, so losing those two friends and those two accidents that I was in and should have died in, uh, I made a commitment to them. I went through a very dark period for about 30 days of, of just feeling like a victim and blaming God in the, in the world and life at, you know, that I was just a victim of bad circumstances, decided that that wasn't going to honor Steve and Matt, the two that I'd lost. And, uh, I decided that I was going to, you know, first change my attitude and then second change the world for them. And so I, I made a commitment that, you know, they were only given 21 years on earth. For some reason I was given more. And so I was going to make it matter. And, uh, the resilience of recovering physically and then going after business with the, I guess tenacity that I do is, is just because I made them a promise that I wouldn't let them die for, for nothing. You know, that wasn't a war. They weren't fighting for freedom. There was no cause. It was two tragic accidents that shouldn't have happened, and I was not okay with that. So I said the only way I can justify it is to let their loss be the thing that makes me live my life on fire and pursue my purpose. And so I think that it was that commitment to them. And that's how I began to heal was to say, okay, at least now they didn't die for something because I'm going to be a better person than I ever would have ever before. I think that's what really did it for me. Right. Wow. Goodness, Cole. How does somebody end up in a mine shaft? So uh, we're actually on dirt bikes. It's a, it's a funny story. Um, I had just gotten out of a wheelchair and onto crutches. And so to celebrate that I was becoming more mobile, Matt was like, hey, let's go ride dirt bikes. And I was like, dude, I can't walk. And he's like, that's the point. Like, you're sitting on dirt bikes. And so uh, he was so trying to help me recover from my depression. Um, you know, I'm, I'm being short with the details, but he was also in that car accident. So it was Steve, Matt, and myself that were in the car accident. Matt and I survived. Steve didn't. And Matt knew what I was going through of the grief and guilt of surviving. So then, again, he's like, hey, man, let's go, let's go ride dirt bikes. Like, we got to get you out of depression. You're just sitting at home staring out the window. So he was desperately trying to be there for me. So he packed the bikes, you know, like we got in the car and we went out into the desert, which here in Southern California, you know, about an hour and a half away, you're in the desert from where mm -hmm. I live. And so we went out there and he set everything up and helped me on my bike. And we were being very careful going real slow because, again, I could hardly walk. Uh, I was still needing crutches to, to be mobile. But sitting down, it made sense. And as we were riding along, uh, we were climbing a little bit of a hill, so you couldn't see what was on the top. This was, you know, no hill that looked any different than anything else. It was covered with the desert terrain. It looked just like every other hill. And we got to the top, and it wasn't a top. It was actually a mine shaft. And it looked, I guess the best way to explain it is like a huge ant hill where you're going up the top, and then in the middle is a hole. And we both fell in. And as we were falling in, I was able to grab a bush, and he was not. And so. Uh, he ended up falling all the way to the bottom and didn't survive, mm -hmm. and I ended up climbing back out. So those two things, 66 days apart, like I said, ruined me. My goodness. You know, um, I, I don't like to use the term really lesser men because nobody's lesser than another, but anyone with any less, I don't know, resiliency, I, I really have to go, only because I know firefighters, I know that you've dealt with stuff like that before, but just your drive and, and mentality to recover from that is just in itself remarkable well let me for for your listeners let me clarify something too just because I'm, I'm trying to be brief but while we're on the topic because i don't want to look like i'm something special by any means the next 30 days were ugly so i lost mm -hmm. steve on september 10th i lost matt on november 14th from november 14th to november 18th was terrible i didn't just brush it off 
Um, I was actually taking pills and drinking alcohol. The the pills were prescribed to me still for my Croxant because I still had massive swelling and pain. Mm -hmm. So these are like like morphine, like heavy narcotic level painkillers. I was taking handfuls of them and drinking alcohol because it would make me numb. And I would fall asleep at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon and wouldn't wake up till like 11 a.m. the next day. And I did that for an entire month. And if I continued down that path, I probably would have taken so many pills and drank too much alcohol that I would have never woken up. So, so I didn't just say, "Oh, that sucks," but I, you know, I'm I'm going to brush this off. Like just for context for anyone who's listening to this who may be in a a really tough season right now, I went through hell, and then I decided that uh, the path that I was on was not honoring them. That popping pills and that were prescribed to me, but still popping pills and drinking alcohol mm -hmm. to the point where I just killed myself was a complete waste that I survived and they didn't. And so uh, that mental shift, it was on December 18th. I went for about 30 days. On December 18th, I said, I will never do this again. I didn't take a sip of alcohol for two, two years after that, that night. Um, didn't take another pill after that and committed to live my life for them. So, so it wasn't just like, oh, that sucks, but I'm on my way. I, I went through hell and there was therapy in there. You know, my mom's a therapist, so she made me go find a therapist and to go through that emotional healing. I, I really leaned heavily on my church, got involved in my church. And so, so I went through the grieving process and I went through like an internal audit of what I needed to work on personally to get me through that. So it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. So I would encourage anybody who's in an ugly place to be willing to do it as well. Seriously, Cole, thanks for sharing that. That is extremely important that you pointed that out because I do happen to know a couple people that are going through that right now. Um, some of them may be listeners, but I do know a couple people that are definitely going through that with the addiction. They're actually addicted to painkillers, um, alcohol, and various other things. So it's extremely important that you brought that up and then also that you got help through therapy, through the church, through whatever means it it is, man, you just absolutely have to reach out and get help. Um, being in the military for 25 years, it used to be the stigma that when guys needed help, they just sucked it up, pulled up their bootstraps, and just drove on and continued building on that, on the issues, the mental issues, the physical issues even, m moving through physical pain. And it is most definitely not a weakness. It's a sign of strength to be able to go out there and do what Cole did and, and get the help and even being pushed to get help. Somebody's pushing you. Don't push them right. away. Uh, and Embrace that. Totally, yeah. And so I just want to throw that out there too. And and uh, wasn't aware that you were in the military, so thank you for your service. I appreciate oh, thank that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So... <laughs> Then you really, I mean, you really transitioned. You really moved on to something that is has absolutely, you've grown. It, it's like a movement at this point. I've seen it all over the place. And what I'm talking about is Men of Abundance, if you didn't, weren't paying attention to the intro, Cole is the creator of Thrive. And this is an amazing, I mean, you do conferences, you do all kinds of stuff. You're talking to amazing people. So let's talk about that. How did that all get started? So uh, that so fast forward, I um, started a business immediately. This was back. So the the accents were in the fall of 2004. I started businesses in the spring of 2005. It took me about six months to be physically and emotionally ready to re-enter the working world and to start my life again. And so it was actually June 1st. I just celebrated the anniversary, 12-year anniversary. Uh, June 1st, 2005 was when I filed you know, the Articles of Incorporation of the Secretary of State of California and became an actual entity. And so uh, fast forward, I, was, I started in real estate. 
I was making great money in real estate. The recession came. I lost everything because I was over leveraged and all my marbles were in one basket. I highly recommend having multiple income streams. I learned that the hard way. And um, so fast forward, I'm losing all my money. Two years into the recession, it's now the the winter, early like uh, January, February 2010, and I quit my business. I was just sick and tired for the last two years of struggling to make ends meet, and I was just over it. A few months later, my girlfriend and I ended up breaking up, and I said, okay, I don't have a business anymore. I don't have a girlfriend anymore. Screw everything, and I moved to Mexico. I uh, put my belongings in a storage unit. I took what little bit of savings I had, and I moved down there, and I was surfing, eating tacos, and then I joined a nonprofit because I'd made a commitment to Stephen Matt to change the world, and so I said, well, I, I feel guilty not doing that, so I'll at least join this nonprofit and help build houses for homeless families, as well as um, I ended up helping start an orphanage while I was down there, which I now have and still have to this day, seven years later, or six years later, excuse me. And so uh, while I was down there, um, I realized how what few dollars I had could go so far in these poor communities. They're called colonias, and this orphanage that I helped start, a few hundred dollars a month was completely feeding 21 children three or four meals a day. And I, I came obsessed with this, this phrase I've coined as making money matter, that instead of just making money and spinning it, I was making money or had made money that was now saved, right? But had made money that was now feeding starving children. And I realized that I wanted to do more of that, but living off my savings, I was limited on that. So I wanted to go back to America, restart my businesses with a new vigor to be even more financially well off or successful than I'd ever been to have more money to give back in more ways. And so I spent seven months in Mexico uh, doing that, just building houses for homeless families with this nonprofit and feeding my orphans. Came back to America and that girl that had broken up with me asked her to marry me. She said, yes, thank you very much. So I got her back. Um, and uh, she and I together restarted our businesses and committed to make what's called a for-purpose business where as our businesses made money, they gave back, kind of like Tom's Shoes. For every pair of shoes they sold, they gave a pair away. And so we started our businesses in, in that manner that the wealthier we got and the bigger our businesses grew and the more money we made simultaneously, the bigger the impact. It wasn't like, hey, someday we'll be rich enough, we can give back. With every single thing we did in business, someone somewhere was benefiting. It's a for-purpose business. And it became very popular and we were, I was getting asked on podcasts like this and Inc., Forbes, Huffington Post, a bunch of different editors wrote articles on how I was running my businesses and they were some of the most shared um, pieces online and some of my podcasts were some of the most downloaded so it was pretty clear to me that there's a, a group of men and women in this world that are business owners or entrepreneurial but also philanthropic and want to make more than just money they want to make their money matter and that they were thirsty for having a greater purpose in their business so my wife and I looked at each other and said screw it let's see if we can do an event see if anyone shows up to actually learn how to run their businesses this way so we threw our first event and it was a phenomenal success we did it again and you know, now those articles like Huffington Post and Inc. have called my event the number one must-attend event for entrepreneurs in the world. So that's kind of cool. So it was literally just a byproduct of how my wife and I were living. Uh, I think that people out there they say money can't buy happiness. I disagree. You know, try going to the grocery store and buying groceries and giving it to a starving per person. I guarantee you, you're going to feel great. You just bought your happiness. And so I'm obsessed with what that feels like, and I'm obsessed with sharing that message. And so that's where Thrive was born, how it's evolved, and what it is. Man, and I can hear it in your voice for sure. I dig the uh, for the for-purpose business model, and there's so many others. I've really uh, evolved enterprises, one book that I've read uh, by Yannick Silver. 
Yep, Yannick's a friend of mine. Yeah, great stuff. And it just amazing, amazing ways that so many businesses out there are really started to, like yours, the whole purpose for you running the business is to, one, serve others through your products and services, but then you've got this whole other purpose, which is to do great for other people in need. And it's just by far, it's my favorite business model of all time. And it's doing so much around the world. Right. Uh, and I commend you for that, and I thank you for that. And then taking it to the next level and showing other people how to do the same. How amazing has that been? Yeah, it's great, and and thank you for that. And yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Yannick. He, I say he's my brother from another mother because we are definitely beating the uh, the same drum. But um, yeah, it feels good because you know we, it's not just fluff. I'm not just like, hey, everyone, use your business to change the world. You know, we bring in some of the most amazing men and women entrepreneurs in the world to teach our audience how to actually make more money. Because I could teach you to go change the world, but if your business isn't profitable, you don't have the money to do so. So. Uh, we legitimately teach men and women how to make more money in their businesses, how to absolutely crush it. Um, and then uh, I personally teach how to have a for-purpose business model. So it's great to answer your question, to see people succeeding more in business, making more money than they ever have, and then reporting to me. Like I was just on the phone with my buddy Tommy yesterday who came to Thrive One. That's where I met him. He owns a pool company. He converted into a for-purpose business. He's now partnered with a nonprofit where he lives in Houston, Texas. And because of his business, he's feeding 1,500 kids a day. Not a month. Every single day, 1,500 kids are eating because of his business. And so, you know, he's making more money than he ever has, but he's feeding thousands of kids. It's insane. You know, Cole, this right here, this conversation right here is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start this Men of Abundance podcast. And it's got so many reasons, so many definitions behind it this word abundance but it just aggravates the heck out of me every time i see in the news media another ceo highlighted for doing you know scrupulous things and not treating the company right not treating the environment right not treating people right but you never hear or seldom i will seldom hear unless you watch oprah or you watch i know um steve harvey likes to um talk about talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs and whatnot but there are so many companies out there that are doing amazing things around the world and in our in our communities that never get told those stories never get told and you just shared one with us could you share another one um, one of your favorite stories that you have on off the top of your head of somebody that either you've personally helped start from basically not making a profit to making a profit and then making a difference Sure. Um, so I'll use, uh, man, there's like 800 examples flying through my head right now. Um, I'll use, uh, this is one that just came up. So I'm going backwards and chronologically. Uh, what was just shared with me on a call I did on, what was it, on Friday. So three days ago, uh, there's a couple, Nicholas and Amanda, who also came to Thrive One. Uh, these are people who aren't like friends of mine. Well, they are now, but like it's not like these are my friends that I've been teaching for a decade. The point is they came to my event without knowing who I was or what they were getting into and then we've since become great friends but I want to clarify you know for for anyone listening to this it's possible for everyone that's the point so they showed up we're all strangers at Thrive One they saw the four purpose business model they also came to Thrive Two they implemented the strategies and techniques the teachers and our teachers are awesome I'm talking we've had Gary Vaynerchuk Robert Hershevec from Shark Tank you know um, Jack Canfield author of Chicken Soup for the Soul Grant Cardone like the biggest names ever teaching and then I teach that for-purpose business model. And so on Friday, we were on a call, and the Bearleys, again, who are now great friends of mine, um, they shared that they will be able to donate more this year than they made last year all combined. 
So with how much money they made in 2016, they are on track to give more in 2017 than they even ever made gross in 2016. So there's an example of people making more money, obviously, and then obviously giving back, which is really rad. That is amazing. And here's the really cool thing about that. Nicholas and Amanda were episode 48 of Men of Abundance. Yeah, so, men, go listen to episode uh, at menofabundance.com forward slash 048 because they were, at that point in time, they were in the process of redefining their business. And yeah, and it was just amazing, amazing conversation because I had both of them on and it was really cool to have the conversation with both of them. So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Just an amazing couple. Another amazing couple other than yourself and Sonia. Yeah, that's perfect. That uh, and good job saying her name right, by the way. But yeah, that's perfect that uh, (laughs) I was just on the phone with them in uh, what, four days ago or whatever. And so they're fresh in my mind. Yeah, cool. Really dig what they're doing. That's perfect. Right on time. So. Cole, at this point, we are going to pay it forward. You ready to do that? Absolutely. Excellent. Hey, guys. Some of you may or may not know that I am a disabled veteran. I have a VA disability rating. I have arthritis. I have an airing on my C6 and C7 that causes pain in my left shoulder, down my arm, numbness in my pinky, and uh, ring finger. And I've just, it, the list goes on and on. But I still stay generally healthy even though I physically can't do some of the things I've done for many years and actually enjoy doing, such as running, pull-ups, push-ups, and other things of that nature. So if you've seen some of my pictures online, you can see that I appear to be in pretty good shape. I'm not overweight, like many people that are in my situation with these similar ailments, and there's a specific reason for that. For the last six, almost seven years, I've been drinking a dense nutrition shake every single morning, and sometimes twice a day. That shake is called Shakeology. I can hear the moans and groans from here because I've heard them. Oh, but that's multi-level marketing and that's network marketing. Listen, I'm not trying to get you into a network marketing business or anything of that nature. I'm trying to share something with you just like I do everything else. And that is the densest nutrition shake on the market, period. I have tried others since I've tried Shakeology because I never believed in these shakes to begin with. I started it simply because I knew I was going to be able to get my money back after 30 days because of the money back guarantee. At 28 days, when I went and had my lipids done and found out that my cholesterol was absolutely perfect, I had greatly improved my PT test. I felt amazing. I simply could not take it upon myself to return the empty bag and get my money back. Here we are almost seven years later, and my entire family has been drinking Shakeology for almost seven years. I encourage you to at least give this stuff a try and learn a little bit more about it. You can see a really cute video of myself and my little guy when he was much younger at menofabundance.com forward slash shake, S-H-A-K-E. Again, that's menofabundance.com forward slash shake. Now, let's get back to the conversation. So give our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Well, based on the direction the conversation's gone, I would recommend if you're an existing business owner, take a look at your business and how you can make it a for-purpose business model. And if you're a entrepreneur and you're ready to start your business, I would encourage you to consider using a for-purpose business model. And, you know, since we don't have much time left on the show, um, I would say that, uh, two things number one i just recorded a video series yesterday on how to do that i don't even know what the website is yet so maybe you and i can connect later uh Mm -hmm. it's not like a sales pitch it's just three videos of training um and so literally because it hasn't even been put online yet as of recording this 
Maybe you can add that to your show notes later. That's number one. But what you do is you connect your business directly to giving a portion of your proceeds or products away. And instead of that coming out of your pocket, you just bake it into the cost of what it is you're selling. Tom's Shoes did one for one. For every pair of shoes they sell, they give a pair away. You might not have the margins to do the one for one model, but maybe for every 10 pairs of shoes you sell, you give a pair away. I mean, it might not be shoes, but for every 10 therapy sessions you do as a therapist, you do one pro bono to someone who needs your counsel but can't afford to pay. So it's just, it's a matter of baking in the cost of what it is you're doing and then giving back to the world. So number one actionable step I would recommend uh, people listening to this podcast would go out there and start for purpose businesses. Uh, the second pay it forward action item I would recommend for the listeners, uh, besides that, I mean, that's the big one, is once you are in a position financially to start, I guess let's use the same expression, paying it forward, I don't recommend stopping donating to nonprofits if you are, but I do recommend taking some of your money and personally seeing it make an impact. Where some people lose the thrill of being philanthropic is you just write a check to the Red Cross, and they're a great organization, I'm not knocking them, but you just write a check to the Red Cross, you feel good for a second, but you don't really know where that money's going in their budget. But to go to the grocery store, spend your money, buy groceries, and then go to an area of your city where you know the homeless are living and give it to them, the money, it, it just, it matters more. You, you now are buying your happiness because you're, you're physically seeing the look on the face of the recipient of your generosity. You're looking them in the eyes as you're handing them maybe a little care package. This is what my family and I do. My wife sets it up where they got like socks, toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, and then like a week's worth of food in a bag. And when they process what you're giving them and you get to look them in the eyes, there's a deeper connection to your money mattering and making your money matter than just writing a check. So I'm not saying don't tie the church or any of that stuff, but if you can afford to do this in addition to that, I would highly recommend it. Um, so that would be number two. And since this is all kind of on the philanthropic, I guess as far as business advice um, to go a totally different direction, so I'm not just telling people to go change the world. Uh, what I'm grateful for, as I mentioned, is my team. And so I would recommend any business owners or future business owners do a self audit and figure out what it is that you personally like to do and what you're great at. So what it is you're great at doing and that you enjoy doing. The stuff that you suck at or don't enjoy, as quickly as you can replace yourself with technology if it's available or people once you can afford to hire them. Uh, there are too many solopreneurs out there and I know it's this big movement right now, but uh, you will always stifle your growth and your potential if you're wearing all the hats. So everybody starts their business a one man or one woman show but as quickly as you can afford to do so. And there's more technology available today than ever before that's cheaper than ever before. So start replacing yourself with technology or people as soon as you can afford to do so so that you really enjoy the work you're doing, the stuff that you hate to do, and you're not, like for me, accounting. I hate accounting, so I have a CFO. Mm -hmm. So for the stuff you hate to do and you're not good at, outsource it. There you go. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent action steps. I love every single one of them. Cole, what daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life? Uh, my habits around my family. Uh, it's easy to get sucked into work. I'm the type that, oh, I'll, I'll go check a couple of emails, and then it's eight hours later. I forgot to eat lunch. I forgot to like do anything. I don't know if you're that way, but all of a sudden, I can't keep my eyes open. It's like, oh my gosh, I forgot to eat today. Uh, so the biggest impact around my daily routine for me is that I schedule in three meals a day. I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my little girls and my wife every single day, unless I'm traveling, of course, but every single day I'm here. I take my daughter to school and I pick her up from school. I take her to swim practice and I go to her dance recitals. So 
the really only thing that is scheduled long term, like never changes, is my family and making them a daily part of what it is I do. Because business isn't always all puppy dogs and lollipops. You know, there's days that suck. And so the fact that they are in my day from start to finish is the greatest daily routine I think I do. I'm obsessed with my family, so maybe that's unique to me, but mm. making it a absolute necessity that they're a part of my daily routine is important to me. And that, in my mind, is abundant living. So you literally put their, put that information and that, that schedule on your calendar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that that's another little side tip, maybe a fourth piece of advice. I use Google Calendars. It's nothing fancy. Everyone has access to it. It's free. But it is so helpful that my entire team has a company calendar where people can schedule me for like this podcast. I woke up today. I didn't know what I was doing. I checked it and boom, at noon I have a podcast. Awesome. I'm ready. But there are those three windows uh, completely blocked out, driving my daughter to and from school and all that. Like no one has access to it. It doesn't change. And, you know, there's no, oops, sorry, Cole, I didn't know and I overbooked you. I mean, my team now knows my routine, but still Mm -hmm. it's, it is non-negotiable time. And it totals, you know, maybe two hours a day. It's not like I'm not working. Breakfast is 30 minutes. Lunch is 30 minutes. Dinner is an hour. And taking my daughter to and from school is 15 minutes. So it's maybe two hours. Uh, but the fact that I'm involved in her daily life and when I'm picking my daughter up from school at noon, she's not going to school today. She goes Tuesday or sorry, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And today is, oh yeah, today's Monday. So she's got, I've actually got to go pick her up. <laughs> That's funny. So I have to pick her up in 43 minutes. But, um, But anyway, the point is the fact that that's a part of my daily routine and I'm at her school in the middle of the day and the other moms are like, "Uh, what do you do? You're the only dad here every day. I just think that that's important for my lifestyle. That's that's very important. And guys, I'm telling you right now, my personal belief, if it's not on your calendar, it's just not important. It's not important enough to you. Uh, Totally. Definitely. Absolutely. Put it on your calendar. Everything. Those are very, very important parts of your life. So your life isn't just business. Your life isn't just work. Your life is your family. That's my belief, and that's why we're here. What are you reading or listening to right now that you'd recommend to our Abundant Leaders and why? Uh, I just finished for like the seventh time uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I read that book once or twice a year, have for like the last five years. I highly recommend that one. And then my go-to book that I always recommend is an author named John C. Maxwell. He's written about Mm -hmm. 150 books, I think. And uh, the one that I like the most is called Thinking for a Change. Yeah, so How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie and John C. Maxwell, Thinking for a Change, are two staples. That I mean, everyone always recommends Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. I mean, that's a good one. Or 4-Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss. I get all that, but those two are really special to me. No, I totally agree. I think uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People is my oldest physical book that I have, and it's in my son's room right now because I have him reading it. So what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance so to me i guess i guess i got to start with the definition of abundance i think for me abundance is giving more than i receive gary vaynerchuk makes a lot of noise about that he's even got a t-shirt that says 51 slash 49 because he says in every encounter and every relationship he wants to give 51 percent and only receive 49 so he's always out giving everybody not necessarily financially but you know giving more value than he's receiving and so to me, that's what abundance is, is to to be giving more to – a lot of people assume abundance is what you can get for yourself. Oh, I've got a lot of money. I've got a lot of time. I think abundance is what you can give because that means that you have so much personally that you have extras to give to others. So, so for me, the definition of, of abundance is how much I can give. And so to answer your question of what do I think 
stifles or, or hinders people from living a life of abundance is they're too introvert or intro focused. They're too what can I get? And that's not selfish, and that's not necessarily their fault. That's the way the world is written, uh, with the way that we're advertised to and solicited to. You feel like oh, the the more stuff I get, the happier I'm going to be, and so I've got to focus on how to get myself more stuff. And so they never get to that place of abundance because they're not taught to look outwardly. And so. Uh, I guess that's my long answer. The short answer is why why are people not living abundant lives? Because they're too focused inward and not looking outward on how they can make an impact. Excellent, excellent. So you just summed up the last two questions right there. And I absolutely 100% agree. It's important, I believe, to take care of yourself. So, Cole, what did we not talk about that you'd like to ensure that our men of abundance get from this conversation? Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot, and we've actually been kind of focusing on the philanthropic, so I kind of like that. But um, I would say one step at a time. A lot of time, I just got home yesterday from a three-day mastermind up in Los Angeles with Lewis Howes and a few of my buddies, and the speakers were phenomenal. I took like 200 pages of notes, and then I get home today, go through the notes, and I'm on overwhelm. And I had to remind myself this morning as I was reviewing what I wanted to get done today and then my weekly goals dude, all the stuff that I want to implement tomorrow, that's impossible, one mm-hmm. step at a time. So what I would bring up that maybe we haven't brought up is everything we're talking about of giving back, for-purpose businesses, um, creating systems within your organization to start outsourcing and not wearing all the hats, everything that we've touched on, remember it happens one day at a time. Don't don't think that you need to be Bill Gates by the end of the, you know, the week giving all your money away like he is. Uh, it's it's one step at a time. So that was a lesson that I just had to remind myself this morning. And so that's one thing we haven't touched on. That as you are evaluating, you know, the listener as you're as you're evaluating the changes and the and the impact that you want to make in the world, the changes in your business you want to do, one step at a time. Now that's no excuse to be complacent or lazy and have that one step take two years when it could have taken two months. But set realistic deadlines and take it one step at a time. Excellent. So how can we find out more about Thrive and when the next event is and how to get to it and all that kind of stuff? Attendthrive.com is the website. So that's attend like, you know, I'm attending. Attendthrive.com. You'll learn everything about Thrive there. And then for me personally, it's just at Cole Hatter, one word, on every social media. That's Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. It's at Cole Hatter. Excellent. We'll have all of that linked up in the show notes at menofabundance.com complete with timestamps and all that cool stuff so you can just time travel directly to the point of the conversation you want to get to and cole seriously man thanks for your time thanks for your words of wisdom thanks so much for having me on i appreciate it my pleasure aloha all right man you've heard me say it time and time again and you know ladies i always say men because I feel that I'm talking to men and I want to thank you personally for listening in as well. But you say, you've heard me say it time and time again. Many of us have messes in our life. That's our past. That's part of who we are. And many other people around the world have similar messes as you. Everybody's unique, but very similar messes. And you can turn your mess into a message just like Cole did. I mean, imagine being in two accidents 66 days apart and losing two of your very best friends in the world and part of yourself. But taking that and coming back from that and coming back from all of the addictions and the PTSD and all of the other issues, then taking that and going and building a conference 
with other amazing people to help others build a business on purpose and better other people's lives, not only your own. That is taking your life and other people's lives to a whole new level. And that's what living a life of abundance is all about. Now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.